You know, we're in this series about the Holy Spirit, and we've got several more weeks to go about this series on the Holy Spirit. And, and it made me think about how I like my coffee. Anybody like your pastor? I like my coffee hot, like real hot. Like I'll ask for it, make it again. It's not hot. I want it hot. Now, Tiffany, on the other hand, Tiffany will drink a cup of coffee half the day. I'm like, by the time you get done with your coffee, baby, that's a latte iced. I mean, you, it can't be hot anymore. She, but she will just sip all day, just happy, sipping on her cup of coffee. Not me. I want to drink mine in 10 minutes because I want it hot. Now, I like my iced tea different. I want it cold, like ice cold. Anybody like me? I like my iced tea so iced, I will ask you for extra ice. You know what I'm saying? You didn't bring me enough ice, so could you just, I, I'm always kind about it. Could you bring me another glass of ice, just ice, so I can dump it in there? Because I want my coffee hot, and I want my iced tea cold. I do not like lukewarm coffee. I do not like lukewarm tea. I don't like lukewarm, and neither does God. That's why Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, you're like Tiffany's coffee. You're lukewarm. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, Jesus says. And John is writing to the church in the city of Laodicea. The church had become lukewarm. They had lost their passion for God. And what does it mean? Say, Pastor, what does it mean to be lukewarm? It's when someone becomes indifferent, has lost their enthusiasm. They've lost their passion. They've lost their conviction. They're stagnant. They're just going through the motions of church and religiosity, but they're lukewarm. And no one plans to become lukewarm. But somewhere along the way, they stop pursuing God. They, they stop staying close to the Lord. They, they stop taking spiritual next steps. Church, to avoid lukewarmness, you have to keep taking spiritual next steps. Because when you stop taking spiritual next steps, you become a prime candidate for lukewarmness. You see, church, the Christian life is a life of spiritual next steps. And John tells the church at Laodicea, he tells them how to break out of the bondage of lukewarmness. And the way out of lukewarmness is to start taking spiritual next steps steps. And John writes in Revelation 3 verse 20, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If any of you hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they will eat with me. John said, you've stopped opening spiritual doors. Jesus is speaking to this church and said, you've closed the Lord, out of your life, you stop taking spiritual next steps. And whenever you stop taking spiritual next steps, you will drift into lukewarmness. Hebrews gives us another example of this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. It says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Keep on loving. Keep taking spiritual next steps in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. 
then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent, or that would be lukewarm. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. They kept enduring. They kept taking spiritual next steps. Take the next step, he says, and keep on loving people or you'll become lukewarm, spiritually dull, indifferent. There's always a next step to take with the Lord. And if you're not stepping forward, you're slipping backwards. Don't ever buy into the lie that you've just arrived spiritually. Can you imagine like parents having a little kid, a little baby, and the baby's growing up, and the baby's now 10, 11, 12 months old, and the baby's taking their first steps. And the baby starts to take their steps. Parents got their camera out, their video recorder going, and the baby starts to walk in and take three or four steps. And the parents are like, yes, you did it, you did it. Can you imagine that? God got the baby, you, you walked, you took some steps. Now sit down on the couch. We're not going to let you walk again. We got to keep you safe. It's dangerous out here. That sounds crazy. But Christians do it all the time in their journey with Christ. They think they've arrived spiritually and they stop taking next steps. And whether you have been a Christian for a week, for a month, for five years, for 50 years, there's always a next step. You have to keep stepping forward or you will start slipping backwards because there's always a next step with Jesus. And that very first step is the step of salvation. And then you take that step, then there's the step to be water baptized. Step of baptism in water. And then there's the step of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's the step of being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the step of growing in the fruit of the Spirit. There, there's the step of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's the step of daily prayer and Bible reading. I like to call it the first 15. Give God the first 15 minutes of every morning. It'll change your life. Take that step and read God's word. There's the step of obeying God's word. The step of growing in what's called sanctification. There's the step of stepping out in faith. There's the step of serving others. And if you're not serving on the dream team, would you start serving? Some of you used to serve before covid and you stop serving. Some of you have never served on the dream team. Can I encourage you? That's a spiritual next step. And as we launch Edmond, we're going to be sending people over to Edmond. Some of our dream team, they're going to serve there. We need some of you to join that team. And then others of you, we need you to backfill at the Oklahoma City campus. We need you to serve. Listen, this church is growing. This fall is going to be an incredible season of reaching a lot of people for Jesus. And we need you on the team serving. Take that next step. There's a table out in the lobby today. Go sign up and serve. There's a step of tithing and, and giving. And if you've never been a tither, that's giving your first 10% to the Lord through the local church. Become a tither. Maybe you used to tithe. You used to give the dream builders. Hey, start tithing again. That's a spiritual next step. There's the step of attending a small group. And our fall small group start on September the 10th. Hey, gang, find a small group. Lead a small group. Take that step spiritually. And today... I want to focus on the step, number three, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience after salvation. 
And Jesus wants his disciples, he wants his followers to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter number one, Jesus quoted what John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter number three and verse number 11. I want you to see this in Acts chapter one, verse four and five. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this was a second experience the disciples had with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't when the disciples were sealed with the Holy Spirit for salvation. It's where they were filled with the Holy Spirit for power to be a witness. Let's look at this in scripture in Acts chapter one and verse number eight. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I want you to notice that Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, not just in you, you see, at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's about the immer being immersed in the Holy Spirit. You see, that word baptism actually means to be immersed. That's why we, when we water baptize people, we put them all the way under the water. Baptism, it means to be immersed. And so the scripture says that you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Let me help my church family here. So whenever somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them. So this cup is you, and it's you at salvation, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Every Christian, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience where not the Holy Spirit's inside of you, but the Holy Spirit, you feel full of the Holy Spirit and you're filled to overflowing. How many know that's a good thing when you're just filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit? And, and man, the, it's, it's not just a, a second experience, but you can ask God to fill you again. Lord, fill me more with the Holy Spirit. And God just wants to keep you overflowed with the Holy Spirit, not with worry and anxiety, depression, but overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. Spirit is such an important experience, and I believe the disciples received salvation, and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of them in John chapter 20. And this is after Jesus had died on the cross, and he had been resurrected from the dead. And the Bible says this in John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22. It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I don't believe Jesus breathed on them so they could smell his breath. I don't think he got a new mint that day. You see, Jesus had already died on the cross, had already been resurrected from the dead when he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe this was the disciples' salvation experience. They, ha they had already believed in Jesus as the Son of God. And so when Jesus said, breathe on them, receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came to live inside of those 
disciples. So Acts chapter number 2 wasn't their salvation experience. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And salvation is about becoming a child of God. It's about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's about securing your place in heaven. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about you going to heaven. According to Acts 1 and verse 8, it's about power to be a witness, not being sealed with the Holy Spirit for salvation, but being filled with the Holy Spirit for power to be a witness. Let's read about it in Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. This second experience, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Not, not sealed with the Holy Spirit for salvation, but filled with the Holy Spirit for power to be a witness. And what confuses some people isn't the being filled with the Holy Spirit for this power to be a witness. What confuses a lot of people is this tongues part. And I don't want my church family to be confused. So let me help you better understand this whole tongues thing. Let's look at your neighbor and say, Pastor's going to teach us today. Go ahead and tell me he's going he's to teach us today. I'm in my teaching mode today. So, so church family, there have been some who have said that people have to speak in tongues to be saved. And they try to use Acts chapter 2 and one other passage of scripture that we're going to look at in just a few moments and, and say people have to speak in tongues to be saved. But first of all, some of these disciples in the upper room had followed Jesus for three and a half years. They believed in Jesus they, they received the Holy Spirit in John 20. They were in a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 1. They were already called disciples and followers of Jesus already. Acts chapter 2 was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not their salvation experience. Secondly, the only thing you have to do with your tongue to be saved is found in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're saved by confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, not by speaking in tongues or by doing any other work or deed. You cannot be saved by deeds. You cannot be saved by works. That's why Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, through faith, everything we receive from God is through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Every gift we receive from God is always a gift, the gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit's a gift. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives us, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then there are the gifts of the Spirit. But he says it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can't boast about salvation. It didn't come from you. Right, you can't say, you know what? I'm saved, I speak in tongues. I'm saved, you say, oh, you don't have it. Ooh, I'm better than you. No, it's not by works. Another thing that confuses people about this whole speaking in tongues is when people speak in tongues without an interpreter. 
And there are two types of tongues in the Bible. There's the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues, which is when a person speaks in tongues. And then the Bible talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. And then someone interprets those tongues. And the purpose of tongues and interpretation, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is the, the purpose is to edify or to build up others, is to build up the church. So somebody speaks in tongues, somebody interprets, and it's to build up the church. But then there's the personal prayer language. And the purpose is to edify or build up the person who is speaking in tongues. So, so the Bible makes a distinction. There's a difference between the gift of tongues, the gift of the Spirit, and then the personal prayer language. And let me show this to you in the Bible, and it will help clear up some confusion that you may have. Now, understand this, church, as we read this scripture, Paul goes back and forth. So you have to be, pay close attention. He goes back and forth from the personal prayer language, which is for personal edification, to the gift of tongues, which is for corporate edification and needs to be interpreted. So he's going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Let's read this together in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. It says, anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves. Now he's talking about a personal prayer language. It edifies the person. It builds them up. Then he goes on to say, but the one who prophesies speaks a word of the Lord, the word of the Lord edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, talking about the personal prayer language. But he said, but I would rather you prophesy because he's talking about how this benefits the church. He said the one who prophesies, who speaks the word of the Lord, is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So the gift of tongues is for the church to be edified, the church to be built up, and that's why it needs to be interpreted. And Paul goes on to show us the distinction between the gift of tongues and the personal prayer language. Let's continue to read in verse number 12, 1 Corinthians 14. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit. And one of those gifts is speaking in tongues. Another one of those gifts is the interpretation of tongues. And last week, we briefly talked about the gifts of the Spirit. So you can go back and listen to that message, or you can just read it on your own. They're found in 1 Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11. He says, you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel in those that build up the church. And the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are to build up the church. They're to edify other people. For this reason, verse 13, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Paul is saying in a church setting, in a small group setting, when someone speaks in a tongue, they should pray for someone to interpret. Otherwise, if no one interprets the tongue, it will not benefit or build up the church because no one knows what they're saying. Let's continue to teach you and let's continue to learn. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. So when you pray in tongues, your, your mind is unfruitful. Your mind does not know what your spirit is praying. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. Paul doesn't forbid a personal prayer language. He simply is helping this church who is out of order, who is chaotic, to do things decently and in order. How many know that we serve a God who does things decently and in order? So Paul was teaching them. He's teaching them how to conduct themselves in the house of the Lord. And then he goes on to say this. 
but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, talking about tongues, but I will also sing with my understanding, praying in the language that you, you know. And that would be English for most of us. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the Spirit, talking about this whole tongues. He says you can praise God in the spirit, referring to tongues, and that's okay to do, but it edifies you. It builds yourself up spiritually, but it doesn't build up or help the church. He goes on to say, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, uh, uh, inquirer or a listener say amen to you, your, your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you're saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So again, Paul is just teaching that this church, they, he says, hey, if you praise God in a tongue, the church is not edified. Only the person who is speaking in tongues is edified. And so Paul is trying to teach this church who is out of order, having chaotic services. He's saying, hey, stop being out of order. Stop doing things, just being selfish and just thinking about yourself. The church service is to build up others, is to edify others. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul says, I have a personal prayer language. He says, I speak in tongues all the time. And I understand what the apostle Paul is saying. Because since I was 19 years old, I've been speaking in tongues, praying in tongues just about every single day to build myself up spiritually. It's greatly benefited my walk with God. But verse number 19, he says, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And I try to model what Paul teaches. In the church, I want to speak so that everyone can understand me. I'm trying to build you up, not build me up. Right, what I want you to understand is there's a difference between the gift of tongues, which needs to be interpreted so the church can be edified or built up versus the personal prayer language, which is for a person to be built up and doesn't need to be interpreted. Now, now, now that we shed some light on the difference between the gift of tongues, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the personal prayer language, I want to focus back on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And let's look at some more examples of people who had this second experience with the Holy Spirit. Come on, just look at your neighbor and say, it's getting ready to get even better. Go ahead, it's getting ready to get even better. Yeah, we're going deep today. Pastor's plowing some ground. Acts chapter 19, let's, let, let me teach some more. I want to teach you this. I want to help you. Acts 19 verse 1 says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples... Notice this, he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This has been our theme verse for the series. They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in water. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This was their salvation experience. They believed in Jesus. They were baptized in water. And if they were not saved, Paul would not have baptized them in water. Because if he did, they would have went under the water, a dry center, and came up a very wet one. But they would not have been a Christian. They were, they were already saved. 
And the Bible teaches very clearly that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of the believer at the very moment they give their life to Christ. You find this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. And it says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, at the very moment you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see, at Salvation, 100% of the time, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of the Christ follower. You give your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. You give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes. It's immediately. So these disciples at Ephesus have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They have been baptized in water. And I want you to see next, they receive this second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's look together. Acts 19, verse 6. And seven, it says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. These believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one has to place their hands on you to receive salvation. It's not by works so that no one can boast. This was not the, this was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then the scripture says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And we realize you don't have to speak in tongues and prophesy to be saved. No, you just confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. This was not salvation. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This was not the gift of tongues. That's why they did not need an interpreter. These believers at Ephesus received a personal prayer language, which is for a person to edify or to build themselves up spiritually. Let's look at another example of a second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit found in Acts chapter number 8. Let's pick up reading in verse 13. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, catch this church, that Samaria had accepted the word of God, their salvation experience. According to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, the Holy Spirit is now living inside of them. It says they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the, catch these two words, new believers. They prayed for their new believers, their they're Christ followers. They're, they're Christians. They prayed for the new believers that, there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them, come on them. The overflowing, the, 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 the feeling to over, overflow had not come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not salvation. No one has to lay their hands on you for you to be saved and for you to receive the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of you. You just have to give your life to Jesus. You just have to confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. This was the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the purpose is for power to be a witness. And then verse 18 says this, when Simon saw, come on every location, shout Saul. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given, talking about you, you don't get the Spirit's not given for salvation by, by laying on the hands, talking about something different, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He saw that the Spirit was given on the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money. 
he saw something. And we can't be 100% sure what Simon saw because the Bible doesn't tell us what he saw. Maybe he saw them speaking in tongues or praising God or saw them prophesying. We aren't 100% sure, but we do know there was some type of outward sign that these people had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and Simon saw it. I have my own thoughts on what he saw. Talk to me later about it. All right, Acts chapter 10. Let's look at one more example, one more example, one more example of this second experience. Acts 10, verse 44 says, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit, because man, salvation is a gift when you receive the Holy Spirit as salvation. That's a gift when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a gift, but that's not necessarily the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the, we see the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God and this is the other passage of scripture people try to use this to say you have to speak in tongues to be saved because these people their salvation experience they started they, right, right afterwards they, start, they started speaking in tongues but again I really want you to understand what the Bible teaches it's so clear in the Bible salvation is a work of grace you don't have to do anything to earn it. All you have to do is place your faith in Christ. Lifting your hands won't save you. Getting water baptized won't save you. Speaking in tongues won't save you. Dancing won't save you. Listen, it's giving your life to Jesus. And these people were saved. And then what happened is they were immediately baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, understand, you can be saved and immediately baptized in the Holy Spirit. And here's where a lot of Christians miss it. Christians start to think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is some, some, something to do with spiritual maturity. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about spiritual maturity. The, this is simply about having power to be a witness. There are people who are babes in Christ who give their life to Christ and shortly afterwards are baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're so immature in the faith. But this second experience it's for every Christian to receive power to be a witness. And how many of you are like your pastor that you could use some more power in your life? Come on, anybody can use some more boldness. Come on, more of God. Come on, more of the Holy Spirit. I, I need more of God, not less of God. Lord, fill me up. Lord, keep filling me up. Lord, I'm asking, fill me some more. Give me some more of the Holy. I need more. I'm, I, I need more. I want overflowing over. Just keep giving me more and more and more and more. Here's what I want to do is give you some application. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Pastor, how do I receive it? Let me give you four steps. Number one, ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Just ask your heavenly father. Luke 11 verse 13 says, if you then, you parents, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We know this is not salvation because you don't have to ask God for the Holy Spirit of salvation. You just give your heart to Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Jesus is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's just asking me for it. You guys know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So ask God for the Holy Spirit. Number two, when you ask God, just worship and magnify Jesus. 
Just magnify God. Just ask God and just magnify him and worship him. God, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I just magnify you and I worship you and I give you praise. And then when you ask God to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, when you just worship God and magnify Jesus by faith, Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just receive it by faith. Everything you receive in the kingdom of God is by faith. You receive salvation. It's not by works, it's by grace. Through faith, the scripture says, through faith have you been saved. So just ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Worship God. Receive it by faith. And the fourth is for those of you who have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is for you. Ask God to continually fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, fill me again. Lord, today, fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. I need more of you. Fill me again. Fill me again. And the, God will just continue to fill you with more and more and more of the, of the Holy Spirit. You need to keep being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So you don't drift into lukewarmness. So you don't slide backwards. You need to keep taking steps forward, spiritual steps. You need to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Why, Pastor? For power to be a witness. A witness at your workplace. A witness A witness in the school. A witness with your friends. A witness in the, with your family. A witness in the ball, ball games. A witness at the grocery store. That you would be a witness for Jesus. And a witness in your church. Today, I'm praying that God will fill you full of the power of the Holy Spirit. He would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and that you would serve today. You would serve. You would serve. You'd get on the dream team here at People's Church and serve and help us see more change lives. God, he fills us up so he can pour us out. He fills us up so he can pour us out. Hey, church family, don't leave early. Stand with me all around this building. Stand with me. Would you begin to lift your hands right now and ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? Come on, ask him, ask him, ask him. Come on, somebody needs a refilling. Ask God to refill you with the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's have a hungry church right now. Come on, ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Come on, lift those hands to heaven. Lift those voices to heaven. Ask your good heavenly Father to baptize you, to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church, worship him, magnify him, lift his name on high. Come on, ask him.
hungry for you. We're dependent on your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would baptize my church family in the Holy Spirit. I ask that you would fill us to overflowing. Lord, we're asking for more of your spirit, that we'd have power to be a witness. We'd have boldness to be a witness. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit is purifying us and sanctifying us and changing us. Thank you for filling us with the power of your spirit today in Jesus' name. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed as you remain standing today, there are some of you that don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior today. The Holy Spirit is not living inside of you today. And today you need to give your life to Christ. I'm not asking do you know about church. Some of you know about church. You know about religion. You know, the, you know about the Bible. You know the song Amazing Grace. You've been to church before. You've been to funerals before. But you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation for you and then there are others of you today that there was a time in your life you said yes to Jesus but you've been drifting backwards you've been slipping backwards you haven't been serving God slipping into the world slipping into lying slipping into cheating slipping into lust slipping into drinking and getting drunk slipping into drugs you're just slipping backwards and slipping backwards and slipping backwards and today today God's saying come home rededicate your life to me I want to fill you with my spirit I want to fill you with my power today and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. If that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time or you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. As I count to three today, would you shoot your hand high in the, in the air and say yes to Jesus today. One, two, three. Just lift it high now and say, Pastor, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's it. So awesome. I see your hand. See your hand. Others, see your hand there. See your hand there. Thank you so much. So awesome. Come on, Midwest City, Northwest. Come on, come on. Ladies at Maple Basket, just throw it high. Those of you at church online, click the raise your hand button right now or write the word yes, yes, yes. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm going to ask every hand that's raised to pray this prayer with me. I want to pause. I feel like there's somebody else. Who else is... You need to recommit your life to the Lord today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry about what other people think. Oh, Pastor, I'm about to break up with that boy or that girl. No, 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 no. Today's the day. Today's the day to get right with God. Who am I talking to? Throw your hand up right now. You need to give your thank you. I see it. I see it, somebody. That's it. That's it. That's it. Today's the day. 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 Would you pray this prayer with me right now? Every hand that's raised, pray with me right now, Heavenly Father. I turn away from my sin and I turn to Jesus. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you for grace, mercy, and forgiveness. I receive it today. Thank you that I'm your child. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.